it's Carla. Hello, Carla. How are you? I'm good. It's so great to be back in the studio with you, although albeit it's a little different studio setup than we've had in the past. A little bit different. We're remote setup using Zencaster. <laughs> I know. It's very cool, although I miss our, our little podcasting studio at Hillbrook School. I know. That's the best. It's just too small. <laughs> well, you, I can see you, and you look great in that mask. Nice. Well, I can see you, and you look great at home. Well, it's super fun to be back with heads down, two thumbs up. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and we, after our hiatus of the global pandemic that shut down the world, are back. We're recording this mid-November, and uh, a couple weeks ago, we had an election. So what better movie to talk about than... Election. I mean, come on. We put it out there on the Twitter sphere, and immediately people said, oh, do election. I will say, had I not heard it from you and others, um, had I watched this movie, I think I've never seen it before, um, had I watched it, I would have said no. As I was watching it, I'm hearing my kindergartner in my ear going, that's inappropriate. <laughs> that's inappropriate. Again and again, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, all right, if, if this is the movie we're doing, I guess we're doing it. Um, I also heard that it is President Obama's favorite movie about elections. <laughs> I, I can, I don't know. I reached out for comment. He did not reply. That surprises me. It had been a while since I had seen it, and I, I had seen it a couple times, and I had forgotten kind of how racy yeah. it really is. Yes. Um, and actually, I think I saw it relatively recently, though, on a plane, but I don't think it was the full on. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that they, makes they sense. edit yeah, things yeah. for planes yes. just a little bit. Yeah. So even this took on kind of a new, um, a, sort of a, a, a racier tone than I had even remembered having seen it kind of recently. Yeah. Um, but I mean, one of the things that I think is so funny, um, Bill, that, you know, we've come back to do the podcast. And, you know, this is all about us talking about movies that talk about school. And of course, we started out, our very, very first episode was, was Ferris. Bueller's Day Off, right? And so one of the funny things was to come to this movie and to watch, you know, Matthew Broderick playing a character who is about as far from Ferris Bueller as you could possibly have, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, I read somewhere (laughs) that someone was like, this is kind of like Ferris Bueller Rooney edition. We get to see the teacher's point of view. (laughs) Although I was... I, I don't know if you noticed this, but in those opening scenes where he's coming into the school and he is um, uh, taking a shower, there's this sort of very mirror quality to some of the opening scenes in Ferris Bueller. So. The only thing he didn't do is like have a towel around his head and like sing in the, the shower handle. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe before we get too much into the details, we should actually talk about sort of the premise of this movie. I mean, clearly, we just came off of a very contentious real world election. And this, of course, is about a very contentious election yes. set in, in a high school. A high though. school. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to share kind of a, um, a plot summary. You often start us off that way. This is from IMDb. A high school teacher's personal life becomes complicated. That's an understatement. I added that. That's not <laughs> becomes complicated as he works with students during the school elections, particularly with an obsessive overachiever determined to become student body president. That's it. And of course, Jim McAllister, the teacher, the history teacher, uh, civics teacher, um, is played by Matthew Broderick. And the obsessive overachiever is played by none other than Reese Witherspoon in one of her very early 
early films. Yeah, I read a little uh, bit about kind of where she was in her career with this, and she had done some more serious things, and her career was not progressing like she wanted, so she thought she'd pivot and go with, you know, like a dark comedy. Um, and the funny thing is, after this came out, she was not getting as many jobs because everyone's like, oh, she's just like way obsessive and controlling. She was like, that was acting. That was not me. Oh my gosh. So it, That's so great. Yeah. She can't win if she wins and can't win if she loses or whatever that saying is. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I can imagine her character is really in so ways you just you just want to recoil from her character. She's so obnoxious and so unpleasant. Um, and I think if you watch that movie, and she's so convincing that I can imagine why people would, would think that was the way she actually presents in real life. Right. But that's not her. That was acting. Um, yeah, that's good. two other main characters, though, we had Chris Klein playing Paul Metzler and then Jessica Campbell as Tammy Metzler. Right. And they, of course, become the three candidates running in a very heated race. They do. Um, <laughs> so speaking of those three candidates, part of how this was inspired uh, the writing of it was the 92 election. Remember when Ross Perot came in and, and upset everything, being that third-party candidate? That's a lot of the inspiration of Tammy coming in and being that third-party candidate and messing up you know, the count. You know, I thought that was so funny. I read that as well. And I don't know if you know this, Bill, but in 1992, I went to school in Atlanta, which is where CNN headquarters was. And I had an internship at CNN in the political unit during the 92 election. What? And I was absolutely front and center in that news as Ross Perot came on the scene. And of course, later was defeated by Bill Clinton. It was a long, you know, long, long election season, but it was very exciting. And so when I read that, I, I laughed and I thought, yeah, I, I, I really remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that experience at CNN was one of the reasons I've always loved election season. Um, and of course, probably one of the reasons why I like this, this movie, movie. Well. sure, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's also so funny seeing like how that is mirroring life far, far after. It was 99. I thought this came out much earlier. And looking at those opening yeah. scenes, it felt like early 90s. Um, but no, it was 1999, you know, squeaked in. And of course, it's set in Omaha, Nebraska. It is. Which is actually where the director... Um, is from, as well as Chris Klein. And this movie was directed by Alexander Payne. And I didn't realize that he had also done two of my other favorite movies, Sideways, which is just a fabulous story about wine country. Absolutely. And then The Descendants as well. Um, and uh, it feels very Omaha, right? It's yeah. like middle of the country, kind of that suburban feel, right? Absolutely. Even though Omaha's a city, it's yeah. you know, not a not a major metropolis. Yeah. I, I also <laughs> actually looked and. uh you know, in your photos app, you're able to look at the map and see where you were. A year and a half ago, we took a road trip to D.C. and then back to California. And we stayed uh -huh. in Lincoln, which was right next to Omaha. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I was able to look at the map and go, oh, like found where the high school was. It is uh, Papillion La Vista Senior High School in the Omaha. And uh, I was like, it, it kind of, the freeway curves above it and then it's just below. I was like, uh. we drove like a mile past it. That would have been so cool to like run outside and take a picture. <laughs> but I hadn't seen the movie yet. Oh, well, you know. So anyhow, this movie really features, you know, this teacher, and he is in charge of the high school election process. And, of course, he ends up meeting Tracy, or he has Tracy Flick as a student, and he has kind of a funny history with Tracy, right? I mean, he, he doesn't like her, 
Um, and he doesn't like her because essentially she had had an affair with a relationship, um, an illegal and inappropriate relationship. And immoral. With, and immoral. I, right. That's important to, to keep in mind. Um, with his best friend, um, who had also been a teacher, had been a math teacher, and who had subsequently gotten fired because of his relationship with Tracy. So all, at the, even from the very beginning of the movie, we know that Mr. McAllister does not care much for Tracy, and he sees her as this kind of highly ambitious, overachieving student, yeah. right? Yeah, well, I mean, we also see that all he ever wanted to do is be a teacher. Couldn't imagine doing anything else. And he had that yep. and was, like, doing an amazing job at it. And I think we really see him at the beginning of the movie at the top of his game. And then by, by the end of the movie, just he has, he has fallen far, as have most of our characters. But you know what's funny? I don't know if you noticed this, but from the very beginning, the move, there's a narrative to the movie. Actually, there's two narratives, right? There's Mr. McAllister's narrative, and then there's Tracy's. And they alternate telling the story as it moves through the movie. And of course, one of the things like right from the beginning is that you see that actually Tracy and Mr. McAllister are potentially have more in common <laughs> than they do, than they are different. And of course, she's sort of sort of seen as this overachieving, do good, you know, do-gooder kind of like moral on her moral high horse. And then, you know, so is he. I mean, they're both at the, sh at the, at the school first thing in the morning. Early bird gets the worm. They have that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the question is, are they actually more alike than, than Mr. McAllister wants to Yeah. Admit? Oh, for sure. And then they melt down at about the same time in the movie. Absolutely. Um, you were talking about morals. And I was wondering if you wanted to kind of talk a little bit about that interesting yeah, that runs throughout the movie. So they definitely hit you over the head with that one, right? That he's talking about morals and ethics. Um, and as I'm just like mouth agape, uh, listening to Jim, you know, Matthew Brothers character, talk to his friend Dave, who had the affair with Tracy. He was like, it's immoral and illegal. <laughs> and then they had this whole aside about like immoral and unethical and illegal, um, which took it from as you know my kindergartner says that's inappropriate it was just like this this really like dark comedy moment and that for me that's really when i, I kind of figured out what the movie was going to be like okay this is going to be like really dark as uh you know as we heard it's going to be inappropriate that's inappropriate but then also um it, it's going to be you know funny but in that really dark way one of the first things that he talks about when he does say all i ever wanted to be was a teacher he says bearing them for the tough moral and ethical decisions that they wanted to spend my life really what he sees as the primary role as a teacher you know yeah. it's not so much the content it's about these tough moral and ethical challenges. And of course, he goes on to make a bunch of really bad moral and ethical decisions all along Absolutely. the way. Absolutely, I know. Yeah, I know. Once that was teed up, I was like, oh, this is not going to end well for our main character. <laughs> and, even, and even Tracy sort of, you know, says, ethical conduct is the most important thing. Just ask Mr. McAllister. I'm curious if you think that there are any characters in this film who you would say are particularly <laughs> have moral integrity. Ms. McAllister, right? Jim's wife. I don't recall her name. She was really the only one that, that kind of was the, the 
eye of the storm with the world falling apart around her. I mean, her world most certainly fell apart, but really we just heard from her just trying to live the life she wanted to live. And then, you know, somebody like broke that promise and she's like, all right, it didn't even say anything. She just stared at him, you know? So we jumped yeah. to the end of the movie when he cheats on her, she didn't even say anything. She just like glares at him, you know, look of death. And he's like, all right, sleeping in the car tonight. Like her Jeff, I think she's really the only one that, that really was acting ethically. What do you think about the characters of, um, uh, Tammy and, uh, and Paul? Well, yeah. So I have my notes here early in the movie, how we meet each of them, which I thought was yeah. fantastic. We meet Paul and he's, you know, <laughs> like we see him breaking his leg skiing again and again and again. Um, and depending on how carefully you look at that, you actually see different outfits as he's, falling down the mountain. Um, and so that's how we meet Paul. I didn't notice that. And then, and then Tammy, his little sister, you know, she has her best friend. Um, and the first thing I I wrote down that I noticed about that character is how long it takes for your pee to smell like asparagus. I was like, okay, like these are both interesting on ramps to these characters. Right. And of course it's more than just her best friend, right? It's actually her romantic interest at the time as well. And she, um, likes girls. I mean, she says, I'm not a lesbian, but I like girls, yeah. <laughs> which is very funny. Um, and kind of 1999 ish, I think. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and of course that, that friend sort of breaks up with her and then makes a move on Paul. So there's all sorts of reasons why Tammy wants to enter this political race as well. It's absolutely not about power it's about revenge for her. Right? Yeah. <laughs> She's going to get back at her best friend and her brother. Well, in a lot of ways, too, is around just subverting the system and saying, like, this does not exist for the reasons it should. So let's just try our best to blow the whole thing up. And she says that in her speech. I know we're jumping around an awful lot, but, you know, if we jump way ahead to her speech, she's basically like, I don't want this. I don't care vote for me and then we'll just end student council, which reminds me of a lot of politicians these days. The anti, you know, the anti-politician. Yeah, it is actually really interesting. Um, And when you make that comparison to Ross Perot or a third party candidate um, or even Donald Trump, maybe absolutely says I'm an outsider and uh, vote for me or don't vote, but make my case. And well, that was the early days four years ago, right? You know, before we got, too caught up in the the racism and sexism of Trump. It was the drain the swamp and I'm an outsider. Maybe he got that playbook from Tracy from her high school speech from this movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, what's funny too is, of course, originally in this film, um, Tracy Flick is the only person running, right? right? Right, And Mr. McAllister just can't stand that thought of her running completely unopposed. Um, I think for a couple reasons. One, he doesn't like her. And two, he doesn't think that that's actually what a democracy looks like. Sure, you know, as a history sure. teacher, he yeah. feels like there should be more choice. He gives that really great pitch to, to Paul about you know making sure that we don't all just eat apples because that's all we've ever seen yeah. and tries to introduce this idea of, of a little bit of choice and that he should really be the one to, to run against Tracy. And of course, you know he does and he's popular and he's rich and all the things that, you know, Tracy Flick is sure that, you know, democracy is going to win at the end of the day and she's going to win because, you know, she's the better candidate. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Tammy enters the race as a third party candidate and that shakes everyone up. 
So <laughs> it does. That was just the best. I love that when they suspended Tammy <laughs> after her speech, when she's like, don't vote at all. And everyone goes crazy, which there's just like such a deep irony in the room that they were excited to not vote and not have a voice. Um, and then she got suspended. And I love her quote there. It's like your dog pees on the carpet. Like that's what being suspended is, you know, like they don't talk about kind of the institution of school as much as kind of the, you know, the politics of like high school student body stuff. But I, I love that little aside around suspension and how a lot of times just doesn't make sense yeah. as a punishment. Like the kid who gets suspended is actually perfectly thrilled to take a little vacation from school. Yep. And of course, hilariously, she eventually ends up getting um, expelled entirely because she takes the blame for tearing down campaign posters when actually it was Tracy Flick who did it um, in, in a rage, right? I mean, these campaign posters come down and they're all balled up and she's so angry. And um, then Tammy sort of says, oh, I did it. She ends up getting expelled and gets sent to Catholic girls' school, which she thinks is the single greatest thing ever. Right. Absolutely. Can we talk about that meltdown a little bit? Tracy's meltdown? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Yeah. So, so you know, we're clearly not going to do this episode chronologically, and I think that's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, right before the election, Tracy goes to fix the, the tape on the wall of her own poster, and then she's like, oh, you know, it fell off, fell off, and then she slips on a trash can. She fell, she ripped the poster. At the end of the scene, there's dramatic blood on her hands. It was just so over the top that you had to love it. <laughs> um, but the thing that actually stuck out to me the most, and I had to look this up, the music. I was like, this is from Kill Bill. Did you catch that? It's actually the, the theme from Navajo Joe from okay. 1966, okay. and I don't know what that is. Uh, and it was Kill Bill Volume 2, which came out five years afterwards in 2004. So that was going. Wow. It's like so a, it's, it's like a it's like a, a hybrid kind of uh, Western meets kind of Eastern music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So I guess the yeah. Kill Bill folks, did they take it then from election? This oh. is what I'm wondering now, right? <laughs> it's a great piece. Well, you know, the thing about, um, as, as this movie goes, keeps going forward, and as you said, these two characters sort of melting down simultaneously, of course, the big moment really comes when the election counting happens, and, you know, Tammy has been taken off the ballot, right? Because she has been expelled from the school at this point. Paul goes in to the voting booth on election day and he chooses to vote for Tracy because he feels it's the most honorable thing to do, that it would be dishonorable to vote for himself. So he votes for Tracy. The election ballots get counted by these two students sworn to ethically and morally <laughs> count the ballots and report back. Boy, did they take that job seriously. They did, extremely seriously. And they counted, and they found that Tracy had won by one vote. One vote. Right? A single vote. <laughs> so, of course, it has to go to a recount, right? I mean, this mm -hmm. is like the 2000 election, which ironically yeah. happens a year later, right? Isn't that kind of right, funny? Right, right. Yeah, it's that's like crazy. 500 votes in 2000 in Florida, 
they recounted, right? And so this, this instead of a weird foreshadowing, goes to a recount. And who is in charge of the recount? Mr. McAllister. And he makes a very bad choice. He does. He takes two ballots at the very end and slips them into the trash can and, you know, recounts it. And it shows that, that Paul is one. Tracy is absolutely incensed. You know what would have been so much easier? Hmm. Had he just grabbed like a Sharpie and like <laughs> drawn a line through Tracy and checked Paul's name? That would have shifted it because he had to have a writing utensil, right? You're not going to do all those votes by memory. So he's like jotting notes as he's counting them. He could have just changed one vote, like one vote, removing one, adding one is the difference. Yeah, I don't know. Although the movie wouldn't have ended the way it did right. without the evidence of the two votes in the right. trash can. Right. So here he is, you know, charged with, you know, all he's ever wanted to do was teach students moral and ethical behavior. By this point, he's had an affair um, with his best, his ex-best friend's ex-wife. He has now come, changed the, the election, the destiny of the election, which of course is funny because it refers to this idea of trying to change destiny at the very beginning. Tracy Flick says something to the extent yeah. of, You see, you can't interfere with destiny. <laughs> I think is what she says. Yeah, there um, it is. And if you try to, the same thing's going to happen yeah. anyway, and you just, you'll suffer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so he tries to change the destiny and he ends up getting caught. Right. By the janitor. Which, by the way, was the real janitor of the high school. Oh, really? He was. That was a working high school. So a lot of the background noise you hear was not, you know, Foley artists or ADR or any of that. It was actual classes happening next door. Oh, wow. That's cool. So they worked here and there around an active high school. And that was the real janitor. Well, what's funny about the janitor, of course, is that you actually see him in some of the very early. You only see the janitor twice. Over the right. course of the movie, you see him. He bookends it, right? Bookends it. Like you see him at the very beginning of the movie when Jim McAllister is trying faithfully because he's a do gooder, kind of mm-hmm. like Tracy, to clean out the faculty refrigerator, which you and I both know is like the grossest, right? I mean, Super faculty gross. refrigerators are just gnarly. People put stuff in there and they leave it and they never take it out. He goes to put his lunch in there and it's just disgusting. So he's throwing out stuff in a trash can and he accidentally misses the trash can and some old Chinese food spills out on the floor just as the janitor is walking by. And at that moment, he has this incredible resentment for Mr. McAllister. He's like, I'm going to have to clean that up. And in some ways, his resentment for Mr. McAllister feels a lot like Mr. McAllister's resentment towards Tracy. He's oh, had this affair yeah, with yeah. his best friend, right? Mm-hmm. They both have yeah. these sort of resentments for, for each other. And then, of course, the janitor comes back at the end with the two ballots that have been thrown in the waste basket. So he's the only one who really has seen this happen. And he, you know, shares this with the principal who then fires Mr. McAllister. <laughs> yeah. Do you buy into that? I just didn't see, like, you know, an ASB or a student body election with, you know, like high school seniors and some teacher like throwing away two to like make it such a big deal and like prompt a resignation that felt over the top to me. Oh, I don't think so. You think that would totally happen? 
if a teacher was found to have cheated and rigged, let's just use it, let's use the word, rigged yeah, yeah. the student body election, to me, that's about as deceptive. And I mean, it's cheating. It's, it's cheating. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, he, he does rig it. I don't know. I just feel like it would end with, and I'm sorry, I'll make it better. Hmm. And then, you know, like head down in shame for the rest of his career and then mm. find a job somewhere else. Or yeah. like it's a big enough district, right? Couldn't he switch to like the middle school mm. if they're not okay with that? And I just, I wonder like, you know, even unions aside, like I don't know that that's a fireable offense or a legal or a moral hmm. offense. Ah, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. I would fire him if I was the principal. I'd say, yeah. how can, how can you, out. how can you be a, um, you know, a, a teacher and an educator and a role model if you're going to rig an election, if you're going to cheat on an election. And of course, he's cheated on his wife at this point. He's cheated on his school. Um, yeah. He's cheated these kids. And so I don't know. I, I, I buy that. He goes away and he decides not to stick in education, right? I mean, he goes and becomes yeah. like a museum guy. <laughs> but he still feels that that's education yeah right they leave their classrooms and they come to his classroom mm -hmm. that's kind mm -hmm. of a beautiful thing it, it i read a couple different takes on what it could have been it was actually him being like a used car salesman at one yeah. point <laughs> right and they like and they tested that and there's some like vhs tape floating around with the alternate ending yep and it just didn't play well with the audience that it was just you know too far of a fall from grace mm -hmm. keep him a teacher but you know lose everything yeah and of course in this particular version the the version we all see is that he he go, moves to new york city becomes a museum educator and then does see tracy one last time um as she's sort of ambitiously getting into some limousine of some either political you know political candidate or great yeah, i would have loved to see more more happen with that i feel like he just threw the cup and ran and it was like a punchline <laughs> I don't I don't know what it could have been, but actually having a conversation or a something that like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like ending that scene with him throwing his cup at the car and running away could have been fun <laughs> instead of that being the whole scene. Um, I'm so curious, since we like to talk about movies that talk about schools, I mean, are there any things that you sort of like picked up that were sort of like school related? Like, how does this showcase teachers and schools? I mean, that's one of the things we, we always love to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the funniest thing, the most ridiculous thing was the pop quiz he gave where he just wanted, uh, it was when he, uh, he rented the motel room Okay. and he wanted, he wanted to go like to CVS and buy, you know, like the rose. And so the only way he could figure out how to do that was give his kids a pop quiz. Mm -hmm. So he gives him the quiz and he just leaves for an hour and he comes <laughs> back an hour later and he's like, quiz is up. Um, I don't know. Like I, I've not, taught high school before but i know high school kids i don't see them like not staying, likely right just was was a bit ridiculous i think that the kind of the social dynamics mm -hmm. otherwise felt felt real enough like as real as you could in a movie but that the, the whole like take a test your teacher's gone for an hour yeah teachers don't get to just bail for an hour um, one of the things that I thought was really funny was throughout the movie, you'd hear these kids say these phrases that were mm -hmm. totally inappropriate and really typical of teenagers. 
like, you know, there was this moment where uh, Tracy has this whole thing of um, juicy fruit gum and some kid like grabs a handful and she's like, you only can take one. And he's like, eat me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But throughout the movie, there's all these moments. And like in the in the election speech scene, mm-hmm. you know, the kids are throwing out sort of these horrible uh sort of phrases and the principal gets really angry and he reminds me of the principal in Mean Girls for just a minute where he's like, hey, if you can't be adults and give these candidates the courtesy they deserve and you don't deserve to be called adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so in that same way. Like, so ridiculous. Uh, Walt Hendricks, uh. Dr. Hendricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. So you see yeah. these sort of the, the, the students in the film I feel are kind of realistically um you know they're skeptics of the of the school they're skeptics of the election um and they they mouth off in all the ways that students do <laughs> yeah well in the credits were actually like a lot of the people were named after their line so from that assembly <laughs> yeah the name of the character was eat me boy and then <laughs> eat me boy's buddy and they just again and again, like the name of the people were like the line they had or like the the style they were. Oh God, that's clever. That's really which good. Which is fantastic. Yeah. That uh, always makes me happy when they don't randomly name a person. Yeah. It's interesting. This is one of the only movies that we've looked at where you actually have some favorable classroom scenes. Like sure. it's interesting, even though the teachers themselves were horribly immoral, sleeping with students or rigging elections or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, unusually, we haven't seen a lot of classroom scenes where students are engaged, where, you know, the teacher's actually <laughs> teaching. Teaching and I a will, lesson, yeah. <laughs> I will say that is one, uh, one thing this movie does showcase in, in a way we haven't seen in other films we've reviewed. <laughs> well, right, and even the Spanish teachers practicing conjugating verbs as a whole class. Like, I remember <laughs> doing that in high school. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that felt more accurate than I think we've experienced thus far. Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, as we sort of wrap up our session today, it was fun. It's been it was fun to get back into this and to like watch a watch a movie about schools. And also, you know, it was just sort of fun to uh, watch a movie about an election after what we've just been going through over the last (laughs) feels like four years, but really has been about a year. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you rewind moment. Is there one part of this movie that you would change? Well, I I did have one question. It sort of bugged yeah. me throughout the whole movie, which was the timing of the election. Like, doesn't mm-hmm. it feel like this, like usually a student body elections, like really early on in the school year, like when on earth is this election taking place? Like, it feels like this whole long period of time is passing. Maybe it's just the way it's told. But it seems to me that, like, by the time the election happens, it's got to be, like, November or something like that. Like, when is this election actually happening? Yeah. No, that that was a bizarre thing. <laughs> so that's what I would yeah. – I don't know if I would rewind that, but I would be like, um, you know, when – this should have happened in, like, September. And it just seemed like the year kept going on and on and on. And maybe it was just the way it was filmed or the way – the narrative. Yeah, I think the thing that bothered me the most was all the really obviously – horribly bad choices that so many of the characters made. I mean, without those, we wouldn't have a movie, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to like, I don't want to undo that, but I just kept wanting to say, that's inappropriate. Like, don't know. Like, stop, please, Jim, just stop. No, 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 no. 
I think that the thing that I would like to jump in a little bit more on was, um, do you remember the signatures mm-hmm. that Paul collected early in the movie? Yep. The thing I thought was fascinating that, that really resonated with right now was the signature Tim Cobza. Do you remember Tim Cobza? No. Oh, wait, it wasn't like they didn't think it was a real signature? Yeah, she's like, that's, yeah, yeah. Tracy's like, that's not a real person. And he's like, sure it is. And Jim's like, it is. Well, who is it? That's, that's Tim. That's Tim Cobza. Tim Cobza? Who is he? I've never even heard of him. That would have been really interesting to, I, I don't know like how that would play out, but just going into the idea of like disputed votes, mm. you know, disputed signatures to get onto the ballot, um, that felt really timely mm-hmm. um as the west wing weekly often talked about for me that was like a trump iii moment mm-hmm. where it was definitely like too close to home of like that you know that doesn't count throw that away it's like that's mm-hmm. no he's like that is tim's signature um that would have been interesting to to look more into actually like how they count signatures to get on the ballot you know how they get on the ballot or how they actually count the votes mm-hmm. that's yeah that that could have been interesting <laughs> Well, did you ever run for a student body office when you were a student? You know, I did not. Mm. Not no. once. You? Yeah. Uh, if I did, it might have been like as an eighth grader, and I probably was. I probably lost, and then never tried again. You know that kind of mm. thing. Um, but you know who yeah. did run is Mark Silver. He was often a really? he was he was a big student council guy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So um, I never wanted to run for office. And in part because I didn't really like the idea of having to run for office. Yeah, and, if you, and if you listen to the Malcolm Gladwell podcast, Revisionist History, he does yeah. a whole thing on sort of what if we did student body elections as a lottery mm-hmm. and whether that would actually change the quality of the candidate. And then what they've sort of learned is that, in fact, it's, you know, he does this whole uh, one episode on this is that actually it doesn't change the quality of the candidate. It actually really opens up the diversity of candidates who decide to put their name in because mm-hmm. they actually don't mind the idea of doing the work, but they don't actually want to run. And when you think about this particular election with Tracy and, you know, um, and Paul, like who wants to get in the middle of that? And I actually think sure. that's happening to us on a national level. Like who wants yeah. to run in this day and age for politics? It's a horrible horrible experience we've made it long we've made it arduous you know every single dark secret that you ever had including like you know some small thing you did in high school is going to come out and you know who wants to run and so it's just an interesting question like should student government really be you know you put your name in if you're interested and and basically it's a lottery my little sister ran she actually ran i remember playing guitar when she was in middle school, I, like I ditched school mm. or like I had a doctor's appointment and then just went back a little bit later and played electric guitar at my middle school while she sang. Um, she did that adventures in babysitting bit. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? You know, like <laughs> nobody leaves this place without singing the blues. Yep. <laughs> and she walks out and she's like, hi, my name's Annie. And then I have my electric guitar. Bam, bam, nah, nah, nah. And I'm running for student body. Bam, bam, nah, nah, nah. Did she win? No, oh. maybe. I don't know actually. I have no memory. I'll have to ask her. Uh, but you know what? She did win. Um, she was a student body president of Santa Clara University. Oh, wow. And do you know what reminded me of this moment? Was uh, the, what was Tracy Flick's 
posters, cards. There's a rhyme something, wasn't it? Oh, pick, pick flick? flick, pick flick. Yeah. 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 So my sister Annie, it was get off your fanny, vote for Annie. Uh, nice. And it worked, and she won. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah. and a much better position. I mean, president right. of the student body at a university. That's that's big. That's, that's pretty really, cool. That's big. Yeah, yeah, and you get the rhyme. Yeah, <laughs> it gets you the votes. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah. awesome, Bill. It was so good to yes. do this. I feel like we're back in the back in it. Yes. So, can we tease the next episode? Sure. What are we gonna do? Are you ready? All yeah. Right. Here's here's one of my favorite lines from the movie. Okay. Are you the finger man? I'm the finger man too. You know what I can do? I know how to multiply by nine. That's gonna yeah. be awesome. <laughs> so so I, I was talking with Ed Campos Jr. this morning. This <laughs> oh, morning of the recording, not when people are listening. Um, and Ed is one of the most extraordinary high school math teachers I have ever met. So he has read Jaime Escalante's book. Mm-hmm. He has keynoted all over the country around like math instruction and like just teaching in general. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, a full year ago now at Fall Q, Ed keynoted. Mm. And then Emily Hendricks, who works with me at Hillbrook, uh, she played percussion and then I played piano. And Ed sang, um, you know that song, uh, Just a Friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did that, but instead of you, you got what I need, it was the Q conference. So he's saying Q, Q got what I need. (laughs) And so he learned how to rap for that keynote, for that, and then the the three of us played that live. Um, But do you know his rapper name that he made up? I have no idea, you tell me. He was Rhymey Escalante. Oh, excellent. Oh my God, that's so good. We need to get him on. So Ed is down to join us for Good. Stand and Deliver. Good. So we're going to figure out like if we're going to do this live, like as a Netflix watch party or a teleparty or for how we're going to do it. But Well, I will say I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to that because it's the one I was really excited to do right before we all went into lockdown. So I'm I know. excited I to pull that back up. It. It's great. I know. It's such a great it's movie. All right. Well, hey, it's good. It's good. Thanks a lot. This is super fun. Yeah. I, love, I love talking about movies with you and movies that talk yes. about school. <laughs> awesome. 